Welcome to another episode of the Lookout Landing Podcast. I am Kate Prusser, and I am joined tonight not by my usual co-host, uh, senior editor at Lookout Landing, John Troopin, because John is moving and he doesn't have internet and he refuses to drive to my house and record it with me, so whatever. Um, I am lucky enough, though, to be joined by someone who knows a bunch about the minor leagues. Uh, it's going to help us talk about the trade that went down today. Um, and just some general Mariner stuff overall. And that is Jamie Vinnick. Jamie, how are you? Doing well, Kate. How are you? I am good. I am watching the Mariners game on another tab and delighted to see Felix is pitching pretty well, even though very vintage Mariner style, they're not giving him any run support. Classic. Stings. Yeah, stings a little. Um, all right. So, Jamie, tell the nice people a little bit about who you are and how you came to know so much about the Mariners minor leagues. I'm a staff writer for Scout.com's baseball branch, Hardball Scoop. I've done a lot of work this summer for the Tacoma Rainiers, uh, getting familiar with their players, doing a lot of interviews and uh, some exclusive stories on them. I uh, did a lot with the AAA All-Star Game. I've also done some stuff in the past with the Everett Aqua Sox. Uh, I've always been a big baseball fan. Um, it's been kind of my passion, sports in general, and kind of decided to put a career into uh, sports media. I'm a junior at Washington State, and this is kind of where uh, where I've ended up at the moment. Um, so you have gotten to see a lot of uh, our favorite Canadian slugger firsthand, Tyler O'Neill. Like, uh, and I know that, and for me at least, this has been true. Like watching him on Greeny videos and listening to Brandon Liebraver, the um, announcer in Jackson, describe his exploits was one thing, but actually getting to see Tyler O'Neill in person is a whole different beast. Uh, what has really stood out to you about him? Well, I think, I mean, when you look at him, the power is obviously going to be the number one thing. He's got 19 home runs, uh, a lot thanks to this recent incredible hot stretch he's on. But what people don't often realize is just how fast he is and how smart of a player he is. He's got a good glove, a very good glove, which he uses his speed to kind of enhance. He runs the bases well. He hits the ball well. You can look and say, okay, he's hitting 245. But you actually have to be there watching the games and realize how many times O'Neill has hit a ball hard and... The shortstop makes a jumping catch. The left fielder makes a diving snag down the line. And he has gotten robbed of hits so many times this year. And, you know, and I'm not one to say batting average is necessarily a bad stat, but it's one that you have to, if you're going to use it, you got to watch the guy a little bit too. And I think you can't really tell the value of O'Neal without watching him. Yes, he does strike out a lot. That has been in this year. I think something that he's worked on, but he's got good power, which isn't uncommon for power hitters. To have some higher strikeout numbers, he hits the ball very hard. He's got a really high line drive rate, and yeah, these are not like cheapy PCL home runs. No. I think it's it's important to say, like in the high gravity or the high home run parks, like Albuquerque, he is hitting the ball literally out of the ballpark, like out of the complex of the ballpark. Well, last night he hits one. I think it was 428 feet, and Ryan yeah. Altapia runs it down. I mean. And that all what's that show up as? It shows up as an 0 for 1 and drops his batting average. And and again, that's just that's not fair to him, you know. He uh in the game he had a walk off home run against Las Vegas uh, at the end of June. His previous at bat, uh Gavin Chikini absolutely robbed him of what would have been an easy base hit. It just it seems almost every time he looks like he's gonna get one to drop, someone makes a great play, and as a result, it skews his batting average. Yeah, he was getting Babbitt to death over the first half of the season. He also was really struggling to adjust to AAA pitching, where there's a lot of MLB veterans, there's a lot of bendy stuff, um, and he really had an adjustment period. 
it seems like he's doing better with that now, and he's certainly on fire lately. I mean, what are how many home runs has he got? A billion, to you, it feels like, in the last... 19 home days? runs since June 23rd. He is 13 home runs, which leads all of professional baseball. Tied for first with 30 RBI. That coming from our good Tacoma source, Brett Gleason. Yes, Brett. Very, very, very good person over at Tacoma who's helped us out with a lot of access and getting access to the players, which has been really cool to you know, actually get to talk to them and see the kind of preparation that they put in and, um, you know, get to know them a little. So I'm really, really holding out that they don't trade O'Neill just on a personal level, but also, uh, you know, I think he's a pretty valuable commodity. And Jerry talked today about um, how they won't let any of their premium prospects go for anything other than starting pitching. So that reassured me. I don't know who made up the Lucas Duda for Tyler O'Neill. I don't believe it. <laughs> I, first off, the Mariners have... I, I've been a big Lucas Duda fan of the past, but the Mariners don't have a need for him. He doesn't do anything Danny Valencia doesn't do. And if, for some reason, they were to trade for him, they certainly wouldn't be giving up Tyler O'Neill. And I think the easiest thing to forget with O'Neill is he is only 22. He's not a yeah. 26-year-old guy just trying and trying and trying. He's 22 years old. He just turned 22. Still very young, still a lot of upside. I would think if Jerry, with Jerry sitting, he doesn't want to put a, or he's putting a premium on not dealing those guys. I would think unless they are making a deal for I like a absolute bona fide top 15, top 20 ace, I can't imagine O'Neill will be included. And that goes for also Kyle Lewis, Nick Nider. I would throw Andrew Moore in there too. There's no reason. I mean, there's no reason to trade Nick Nider. Like you can't, no. that that's weakening the system down the line and i mean i mean maybe if you're getting somebody who you think is going to help you win in 2017 and 2018 the problem is like we've seen what the cost is on those on those ace pitchers and mm-hmm. it's not it's not a cost that the Mariners can afford. Like, no, you suck. Even if we, even if we threw O'Neill and Lewis and Nidert all in a package, that's not going to stack up to the top two prospects in baseball. You know, it's no. Uh, I mean, you saw what it cost to get Chris Sale last year. Yeah, what it cost to get uh, Jose Quintana this year, who's not even having that amazing of a year. It cost Eloy Jimenez, who's a top ten prospect in baseball, plus three other pieces. The Mariners don't have the luxury of having one of those top 10 kind of sexy per se prospects. Yeah. They also can't afford to give up prospects like that when yes, they're trying to compete now, but you have to remember that Robbie Cano and Nelson Cruz aren't going to be here forever. Well, Robbie Cano kind of will, but uh, (laughs) they aren't going to, I mean, Nelson Cruz has got one year left. You have to make sure that you have guys that can step in and replace him. Dealing those for guys to make a run for one or two years, maybe not the best idea. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely robbing Peter to pay Paul, and I think we've seen uh, DePoto have a strong unwillingness to do that. Mm-hmm. So we were talking, and we'll get to this when we talk a little bit about the trade that was made today, um, but we were talking about the potential that they don't do much else because maybe there's nothing else to do um, or nothing that they feel like, you know, they don't want to go out and get somebody who they value or who they see as basically Giovanni Gallardo when we already have him in-house. Exactly. Um, so uh, it's definitely a little easier to talk about these kinds of things, I think, um, and have that perspective on the team when they're doing well. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it complicates things because all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, 
you know, they might actually put themselves in the thick of this division race or in the thick, not the division. The division no. Sort of, <laughs> yeah. Thick of this wild card race. Woo. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe we need to make some impact moves to get there. Um, I, I think the worry that comes with, and this is just from, you know, so much experience with this team is how many times have they tried to make a late push? I mean, there's a, there's, we haven't made the playoffs in 16 years. I, I think any deal you make when you give up futures, and we've seen some of the deals that they've made in the past of the deadlines that just haven't really worked out. <laughs> yeah. Where they've given up some prospects to try and make a late push. I mean... And it's, uh, they gave, it was, who was it a couple of years ago? Kristen Norfia. And granted, they didn't give up a whole lot for him, but it was just those moves that Kristen Norfia was okay at best for two months and then was gone. And I think that's the type of moves that you're a little hesitant to make. And especially, you were talking about the starting pitching market. There isn't that kind of, you know, premium name. Uh, Sonny Gray, but it just, it seems unlikely that the A's would deal Sonny Gray to a division rival. And if they did, it would probably cost the Mariners more than they were willing to give up. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I don't know. I mean, the Astros are apparently hot in pursuit of Sonny Gray. So we'll see how that develops. Did say, I did see something earlier that their uh, interest had kind of waned. It, it looks, if anyone, it looks like the Yankees, maybe they have the prospects. There's no doubt about that, which again, would be an unfortunate event for the Mariners just because they are in a wild card battle with the Yankees. But they're a team who could give up the prospects to get Sonny Gray and could use an upgrade in starting pitching. Yeah. Um, well, the team is playing well right now. Um, so we'll talk about a few takeaways from the series sweep against Chicago and the series win or the series. Yeah. Series sweep against Chicago series win against Astros. Um, I think there's a lot of good to pull out of this. And then there's also a lot of, uh, things we maybe want to want to kind of look out for. Um, so let's start with the Chicago series. What kind of stood out to you about those games, which the Mariners never led first? They always had to come back from uh, a deficit to battle back and win. Brother. Well, that would have been too easy, right? <laughs> yeah, they were. I mean, it worries me because you want to win against the White Sox, they're not a good team right now. They're in fire sale mode, right? No, not at all. Um, so those are games you should win. They should have come out of there with a series sweep. And, and they did. It just win. wasn't easy. I mean, it was come from behind. It seemed every game. And I, I think the one thing that concerned me more than anything is they they relied so much on the superstars to win that series. I mean, Cano, mm-hmm. Cruz, and Seager essentially won them that series. I mean, they had the big home runs at the clutch moments. And I, you know... And Sunday's game, especially in a game where they were down five nothing. I mean, we'll talk focus on Andrew Moore, but uh, you know, wasn't a good start for him. It was his first road start. Or should we be concerned and say, oh, he's a he's a bust? No, it was a bad start. It happens to everyone. He didn't have good fastball command. He's gonna be fine. It was and it was against the White Sox team that kills the Mariners. They've always killed the Mariners, and he gave up. Four of the runs were to obvi- or three of the runs came off Avisel Garcia home runs. Yeah, who's having a tremendous year. Yeah, and one of the pitches was really good. It yes. was like low. It was what low. K- I mean, that's just a, a hitter beating good you. Piece of hitting. One of the pitches was a bad mistake, very bad mistake that I'm sure he regrets. Oh and, yeah, uh, and I, he's a smart pitcher, and he's and I'm sure the first thing he got back into the into the clubhouse and he focused on that pitch. You know, what did I do wrong there? Where did I miss? Because, I mean, we've, we've seen this, and this is the type of thing that you have to, you really have to not only watch him 
pitch like in the minor leagues, but you know, even talk to him and just see what the kind of guy he is. He's baseball is what he's about. I mean, which it should be the case for most players, but he's so smart. He's so he's a mature pitcher. He knows what his job is. I mean, he's he knows he's not going to go out there throw ninety nine miles an hour, strike fourteen guys out, and walk away. He knows that he's going to have to be very very um, particular with his pitches. Very smart. He's going to have to locate, or he's not going to be successful. Yeah, I, you know, student of the game, I feel like these things get thrown around or they get dismissed. Like, oh, okay, we all know he's smart. Well, you don't see, I think, right away how that translates for him as a pitcher with the learning curve. It's just been incredible to me as I've studied him and watched him, how much he adjusts from start to start and how much he um, adjusts even from batter to batter, you know, once he goes out against a guy and the guy gets the better of him coming back and trying to do something different next time. And, you know, I, I mean, he's just, he's young, he's super young and maybe Very it's ideal. Maybe it's not ideal that you have him in the rotation right now as a contending team, but he's what they have. That's and- the unfortunate truth of the time because he's a better option at the moment than Gallardo. Now that could change. He's better than Gavilio. He's better than, the group of starters in AAA, DeYoung, Whalen, who's hurt right now, Casey yeah. Lawrence, uh, Christian Bergman. And I think the thing with Moore is is that people have to understand, he's not going to be Clayton Kershaw. He's not going to be this top five pitcher in baseball ace. What he's going to be, and what I think he very easily will be, is a good, solid number three starter who goes out almost every outing and gives you a chance to win, which the Mariners, you know, they've got a, they've packs in his what they have right now for a guy that every single start you know you're going to have a chance when he's on the mound. Yeah. As mu- much as we love Felix, that hasn't always been the case this year. Moran has been a solid back of the rotation option, but again, not always going to give you a chance to win. Gallardo, certainly not. Um, Iwakuma is too hurt to really analyze in that sense. I, I would disagree a little, I think, with Miranda, who has showed, I think, some pretty amazing consistency as he's developed as a pitcher. You know, I, I feel a lot like we're starting to see him grow up before our eyes. That is um, fair. But yeah, I mean, Moore is not, and I think most people have accepted that Moore is not like the big um, blow you away pitcher. Um, no. His problem against Chicago was he was not able to, oh, God, dang it, Brett Gardner hit a solo home run. <laughs> Ugh. Um, of course he did. His problem is with Chicago was he, he really didn't have that ability to put batters away. And no. that's what he's going to have to work on. Um, he has at other times. That doesn't mean that he doesn't have a put away pitch or he doesn't have the ability to put batters away. He has this circle change that he uses. He has a back mm-hmm. foot. Uh, he's also started. He has that change. That's good. He's started using um, a slider more or curveball more. Yes, yeah. and, it, and it's looking, it's a pitch that, no, it's not going to be a Randy Johnson slider, certainly, and it certainly won't be that right now, but something he could develop into a good, you know, just another pitch to have in his arsenal yeah. to keep hitters uh, guessing. So uh, it, there is development. The thing is, uh, there's no better better option than to have him up here. No, there's um, not. And I think people are resentful, maybe a little, about that, like resentful of the attention that he's gotten because he he's not worth it or he's not, but it's because he's the best option in a pretty thin system. Um, And so he, he attracts a lot of attention, but I don't think a lot of people are fooling themselves as to thinking like, 
you know, he's not going to go out there and have a shutout. He's going to give up some runs. Mm -hmm. The job of the offense is to step in and help him. I'll be really interested to see how he responds against the Yankees because I'm assuming that um, we'll see a much better start out of him. And, you know, as far as the fastball command thing goes, we we see good pitchers lose their fastball command. Lance McCullers didn't have his fastball command. Yeah. Um, and Lance McCullers is one of the better pitchers in baseball right now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, when you don't have that fastball command, it's the mother pitch. Like, you can't set up your other stuff, especially if you're not a power pitcher. No, exactly. And you can't just rely on blowing things by. You know, James Paxton doesn't have his fastball command. Hey, okay, put it in the middle of the plate and just put it at Door 99 and locate it and hope that you can blow it past guys. Yeah, that's what Edwin Diaz has had to do at times. You know, Edwin yeah. Diaz doesn't always have his, doesn't some a lot of time have his command, but when you throw that hard, you often can at you least can a get past. little bit get away with it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so speaking about McCullers a little bit, a little bit about the takeaways, big takeaways from the series win against the Astros. Um, I wrote a while ago that there are three things the Mariners have to do over the next, over the second half of, of baseball, and that's, the big three have to hit. The pitching staff has to be consistent on both ends, and oh, they cannot run themselves into outs. So that is that is for sure. Yeah. So just like uh, what what kind of stands out to you? I was personally, I, I thought we would win the Paxton game. I thought we'd lose the McCullers game. I was nervous about Peacock just because he's throwing so hard all he, of a sudden. Well, I become a strikeout god. Brad Peacock was, you know, a seventh, eighth starter, and all of a sudden this year is looking like he's a bona fide number two, number three guy. I mean, he's had a great year. It, it wasn't a good matchup going in. And, you know, and I thought Sam Gavilio, he pitched okay. I, I mean, it wasn't, you know, six innings. He gave up eight hits, five runs. It's not a terrible outing. What The nice thing about it was he was able to go six and give your bullpen a bit of a night off because they had been just so, so torn apart by the White Sox series with all the close games. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a brilliant outing. The tough part in that one was, you know, Peacock pitched very well through seven innings, just not uh, three hits, a run, uh, struck out nine. The Mariners just didn't, they only had six hits in the entire game. Uh, none of them, no one had more than one hit. Kyle Seager had the only extra base hit, you know, your big three were combined. I think it was two for 11. So it's, it's tough to win that way. And the peak and give credit to Peacock. He pitched well, but. It, that was just, it was, it didn't look like the best matchup, but then again, neither did, you know, Ariel Miranda and Lance McCullers, ah, and they pulled sorry. that one out. Time out. Uh, Felix just punched out Aaron Judge, and he let again? out this roar. Yes. <laughs> that was a master, that was masterful. He was struggling. He gave up the home run. Uh, you could just see he was laboring a little to get through that inning. He's like, like 95 pitches. We should talk about Felix a little bit, too. Um, yes. Because, you know, we saw him in, in Chicago. He wasn't sharp, exactly. No. But he was good enough. Yeah, I mean, he hung he in was. there. And, and I just remember that game that he pitched. It just, watching it, it was, you know, someone's going to look at this outing and say, oh, man, Felix pitched really well. I was like, he didn't pitch horrible. I, I wouldn't never, I would not say it was a horrible outing. There was a lot of, mm, he was, it was a very okay outing. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. He got through five innings. He only gave up one earned. It just, he didn't, he was in trouble a lot, it seemed like. And he just didn't seem to have a lot of command. Though, though again, he got away with it, though. I don't know what on earth that throw to first base was he had. Where (laughs) he just, I don't. 
Danny Valencia apparently grew arms that are 11 feet long because that was terrible. I was, I mean, just mentally, I think what we're starting to see is uh, Felix really having to battle in a way that, mm-hmm. um, you know, last year it was, well, I'm, I'm hurt. And then he was out for a while. And now we're having to see him go out there and just grind and grind when he doesn't have his good stuff and grind when he's not getting the calls and grind when he's not able to get the strikeouts and he's having to like work low in the zone, try to get that ground ball. Um, so it's, it's, it's a different Felix that I think we're seeing. It's a, and we've been talking about that for a long time, but it's a, it's a gritty Felix. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's not just that clear dominant one. It's a Felix who's going to like kind of take you out in the alley and fight you. Like it's exciting. (laughs) It is. I think that, and I think he's had to realize himself too, that he isn't, he isn't as, dominant as he once was you know yeah he's had to battle injuries he's getting i mean he's not old yet per se but he's age is starting to become a bit of a factor he can't go out there effortlessly and throw seven shutout innings that just isn't what he who he is anymore he's not the the pitcher we saw in 2014 that rightfully deserved the Cy Young and didn't get it he's a he's no longer I would say I would not classify him anymore as the number one starter period and not on this team James Paxton is the number one starter on this team he is what he's become is a average to good number three, which you know is a it's as a fan it's it's a little disappointing to see because you know Felix has been this Mariner hero for so long on so many teams where they were horrible. Felix was always the bright side, but I think he's just having to adapt that he can't just dominate everyone. He has got to really focus on locating his pitches and on uh, using his breaking ball well. And I will admit, I I didn't have a good sense as to whether he would be able to do that or not because it's hard, and he's older. It is hard. It's hard to it's hard to change your whole mentality and um, buckle down and realize that you have to just change your your whole approach. Um, it takes a like we were talking about with more like it takes a certain amount of baseball IQ and being a student of the yes. game and. I just, I guess because we've never seen Felix have to use that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if he was going to have it or not. But uh, outings like tonight make it sure yeah. easy to believe that he's going to build himself a new kingdom. I mean, one mistake. And unfortunately, as we've seen so many times in his career here, one mistake might, at yeah. this point, could be the dagger be just because, you know, the Mariners can't score right now. And, and score, I'll give credit score to score him some runs, you pajama-clad nitwits. Score him some runs. I will give Luis Severino credit. He's a very, very good pitcher. He's having a very good year, but they have seven hits off him. They had the bases loaded. Yeah, at one no, point, this is just not executing. One for eight with runners in scoring position. They, it, this is this is the type of things that separate a team that can make the playoffs from a right around five hundred team. And the Mariners right. are a team that needs to. They need to step up right now. This is where. You know, you're getting into the later innings, bottom of the sixth now. One of the big three, that you need something from. Yes, Robbie Cano has yeah. two hits, finally breaking that O for what field felt like a thousand. Um, he was three for 22. Yeah, not good. Uh, yeah. All three of them have hits, but this is where you need one of them to come up with that big home run, or that, that big double into the gap to kind of yeah. get things going and then, you know, hope someone else can, can chip in. You know, Ben Gamble's got a hit tonight, but Gene Segura's still hitless, and he had a chance with the bases loaded and struck out. Yeah. I mean, this is this is what you like. You said this is where a team that has a chance at contending for the wild card separates itself from yep. 
a team that's just going to kind of sit around 500. And so far, things are worrisome, um, especially when you get six strong innings out of your starter. That's yes. you need to be able to score more than one run uh, when the guy going up for you has only allowed one run to be scored. So that's concerning. And when you're chasing, um, when you're chasing a team that, I mean, you're playing a team that you're chasing. Right, I mean, you're a game exactly. and a half back of the Yankees. You, even if you don't sweep this year, you can take three. You're all of a sudden either in a wild card spot or right there. I mean, you can't, you can't let those opportunities go by the wayside. Right. And uh, I'm just checking in now, and they have uh, gotten two very quick outs. And Severino's sitting at 87, and then that scary bullpen comes in. So, like, yeah. it's just not – that's not great, guys. Not great. Though, for what it's worth, that bullpen has been a little shaky. Batantas and Chapman have not been as dominant yeah, that's, as that's they have. True. But still, you, you, they're guys you just don't want to see. Um. Well, let's talk a little bit about the move that got made, speaking of bullpens. Um because the Mariners, you know, had a good little run there and Jerry decided to make a move. And I was, I will admit, I was super nervous when I saw, I did a lot of yelling on Twitter when I saw that it was, uh, that a trade was going down. Then I saw it was for a reliever and I was like, oh no, I don't know about that. Just when the bullpen is kind of starting to gel and pitch well. And, the and then I saw four prospects headed over, and I had to I had to lie down. And then Brian Hernandez's name was the first one, and I, yeah, that was that was a wild roller coaster of emotions. It was, this and especially because in classic Jerry fashion, in classic Mariners fashion, it breaks at ten thirty. It starts to break at ten thirty on a Wednesday night. I mean, what was the Gene Segura trade? He they made the Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Eve. evening. Yes, so I was making pies. Trying to stay up and keep track, and I'm like, all right, this isn't happening. Then fell asleep. I wake up and I'm like, okay, I, I can live with that return. But I think the initial concern with every trade now, and if they make another one, it's going to be the same thing. Is please tell me we didn't give up Tyler O'Neill or Kyle Lewis, etc. And I think that comes from the fact that we've seen Mariner trades in the past. They've given up prospects they shouldn't have given up. Adam Jones strikes me as a name. Granted, it was ten years ago, but they make those kind of deals and then really really regret them so but well this i mean this is this is a different this is a different uh you know it's so challenging because mariners and the history and all that's a ta- i mean it's yes. important to remember that there's been a complete turnover um i always think it's a little unfair to saddle this current regime with the mistakes of the past regime so and we don't that want is to do fair. that but, in, but. In, but on the flip side there have been a couple deals that jerry's made that are a little questionable the Joaquin Benoit one stands out. Yeah. Um, at the time, the Wade Miley deal looked bad. Granted, Carson Smith hasn't pitched, and he turned Miley into Miranda, who's been effective. And then some of the other small deals, uh, you know, like giving up Tim Lopes to get Pat Vendit, which wasn't yeah. a good move. No. Uh, Zach Lee for Chris Taylor. And and granted, on the flip side of that, too, Chris Taylor wasn't doing anything here. Um, good for him that he's gotten it together in L.A., but it wasn't like Chris Taylor was a hot young prospect. He'd had several chances and wasn't putting it together. No. I mean, it's they've all been understandable moves, more or less, although I still think the, the Mike Montgomery Vogelback one. Yes, is, that one was bad. That's that, continues that was a bad to trade. 
that continues to uh, haunt us and harm us because. Although we did turn Blackburn into Valencia, who has been a good first baseman this year. Turn Blackburn into Valencia, which I like for sure. That's that's the uh, and that's the thing is there's usually at least an upside. Yes. Um, but Although I will say Blackburn that we, shut down the Mariners this year and was a Triple A yeah, All Star. But I, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was so. That was more us playing poorly. I think Blackburn is not a dominant. Oh wow, they no. sent Felix back out there for a seventh. Yeah, okay, sure, that. sure. Why not? <laughs> um, so let's back to back to the trade. back to the trade. Yes. Back to the trade. So. Um, it, the news breaks. It's David Phelps for the um, Brian Hernandez, Brandon Miller, Pablo Lopez, Lucas Chiraldi. Um, let's talk a little bit about what the Mariners gave up. I mean, obviously, Brian Hernandez is the centerpiece. Um, I wasn't. I, I liked him. I thought he was a good like contact guy. I loved watching him run around. Very athletic, very, very raw. But, you know, you can see the makings of a good player in that, I think. Um, and I know he was like a personal favorite of a lot of people. And, and he was something pretty exciting down way down the road. So it's another example, sort of like we saw with the Zach Littell for James Pazos deal, um, which Littell is a great pitcher. Pazos was MLB ready, though. So Yes. But that idea of borrowing from the low miners or stealing from the low miners, uh, you know, you saw the same thing in um, Gamble with Giro Rosco, and I can't remember who the other one Juan was. Paula. Juan DePaula. Juan DePaula. A lot that, of taking yeah, from the future in order to get something for the now, which obviously is what you want to do if you're a contending team. But I do wonder sometimes if there's maybe, like you mentioned specifically that Lopes-Venditti trade, if there's maybe mm-hmm. an undervaluing of the prospect at hand. And that could be. Um, I, here's, I walked Hernandez a few times in Everett, and a couple times in Tacoma, actually. He's a good prospect. I, I don't think, I mean, it's hard to sometimes really judge the MLB.com rankings just because there's a lot of things you can point out. Rob Whalen being ranked over Eric Felia. <laughs> Eric Felia not being ranked at all. Yeah, no, um, that's hot. That's hot garbage right there. Waylon and DeYoung over Braden Bishop. The fact and Donnie Walton's a good example. Uh, he's a 17th prospect on MLB.com. I like Donnie Walton a lot. Great guy, versatile. But you could ask Donnie Walton himself, and he would not say he's a better prospect than Eric Filia. But ba- anyways, back to Hernandez. What I saw of him is he's he's got good contact. He's athletic. He's fast. He's one of those fun players. I mean, and there was and yes, he has some upside. Is he going to become an MLB outfielder? I would say there's a decent chance. But with every player, especially with him, there's negatives. Uh, A 6% walk rate, a 24% K rate. Not a good start there. Granted, and all of and I recognize he's 19. All of that starts to come around. 26 uh, hits this year, 18 of them singles. He did have four triples. Everett Stadium, not the toughest place in the world to triple. They've got a kind of weird right center field that it's almost like diagonal. So if you Mm -hmm. hit one out into the gap, it's pretty easy to triple. He's got a really strong arm. It's a little erratic. He, as in, it can make the throws. It's just whether or not the throws are going to be on target. And we saw this a couple times in Ever, and I saw it in Tacoma too, where he made the strong throw. It just wasn't anywhere near where, where it needed to go. And it, and he's, I know why people are upset we gave him up. He's a good kid. He's a nice guy. Um, and as we said, fun player. I don't know if when you look at the Mariner system, 
I don't think he was going to ever jump Gamble, if assuming mm-hmm. he's around for a while. Uh, Hanniger, he at very best he was Guillermo Heredia, and we love Guillermo Guillermo Heredia. Guillermo, Guillermo Heredia. 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 We we love him as a player. He's fun, but when it comes to where the rest of the prospects are developed, do we see Heredia over O'Neill, over Miller, over Bishop? That's where the question is. I don't think Hernandez was going to ever pass those prospects. At the end of the day, even if you didn't trade him now, at some point he was probably going to move. He just wasn't going to have a, ne- a spot necessarily in the Seattle outfield. Now, on the contrary, yeah, there's a Miami's... real chain, right? Like there's a chain mm-hmm. going. It's not just that there's like this. There is that clump. It's overloaded at the top. Yeah. But even beyond that, you can just see from guy to guy to guy, like the outfield is the one place where I can look forward and say, oh, we're we're stacked for years yes. at this part of the season. Bishop O'Neill. I didn't even mention Kyle Lewis. Right. Uh, Liberato, who's starting to put things together. And then you've even got the fringe guys, you know. Kyle Waldrop, probably never going to be a consistent big league bat, but having a good year. Chuck Taylor had, what was it, a 20-something game hitting streak this year? Yeah, um, that- and then, of course, Eric Fulia, who's hitting over 300 in Modesto and was the Northwest League MVP. So there are so many outfielders that you could afford to give one up. And it's better that they gave up him rather than giving up someone. Or you never want to give up arms just because you're never sure. with the, You didn't want to maybe give up Posey. certainly didn't want to give up Neidert. And then at the same time, you got guys like Peterson and Vogelbach where they're like your only first base prospects. Besides yeah. Evan White, I should mention, who's still a couple years away. Yeah, I mean the the definitely the um, infield prospects are thin. The arms are thin, but so and this was what initially made me panic. Okay, so Hernandez, we're dealing for far down the road. Okay, probably mm-hmm. that doesn't come back and and bite us later. And even if it does, Phelps is somebody who can come and help us now, and we'll talk about him. Um, three arms, I was I was surprised by. Uh, yes, that they would want them first of all, and that it took. And honestly, I think that the cost might be a little higher in the arms. I know that it was basically discussed as Hernandez and three throw-ins, um, yes. but there are a few things that I wanted to kind of point out where these might, this might actually sting a little more than people it are could. thinking it will. And um, I think the Brandon Miller, part, yes, oh, Brandon Miller, yes, Brandon Miller is. Solid, right? Like, he's a solid, dependable, would-be-great-depth D2 kid. Um, You know, he's not got the strikeout numbers. I think, what did you call him, a poor man's Andrew Moore? Yes, if he hits his absolute ceiling, he's a lesser Andrew Moore. Um, Which, again, Andrew Moore's a good pitcher, a very good pitcher. But Miller doesn't have that, he doesn't throw particularly hard. Uh, Tops at around 92. He's got a good breaking ball. He doesn't walk many. His issue is he gives up a lot of hits. He's almost averaging, I think, a hit an inning almost. He doesn't have that dominant, dominant breaking pitch that Moore does. He's got a very good slider, but it's not it's not Moore's changeup per se. Um, yeah, he would have to like really hit his ceiling to become half of what Andrew Moore is. Now, that could still amount to a solid fifth starter. More likely, it amounts to a fifth starter slash long relief guy slash triple-A yeah. bounce back. He wasn't going to become an everyday rotation. Now, I like Miranda Miller a lot. He would have been a guy I would have liked to keep and see if he could develop into that fourth or fifth starter role. But I think it's an okay move in that sense that he isn't this high-end, you know, can't-miss prospect. He's a solid prospect. 
He's a solid prospect. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't hurt so much, although no. it will probably make the Clinton rotation pretty bad in the short it run. It could. That is, that is for sure, though. They have already um, made adjustments. I think J.P. Sears went up there, though he's a reliever. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the thing, is we have plenty of relievers, but really, yeah. really pretty starved for starting pitching, to the point where you have people like Justin DeFredis making starts in AA. Pitch well uh, tonight. <laughs> um, it's okay tonight. So, Miller went, and then Pablo Lopez, who is somebody who I have been rooting for, um, had a, ha, he's inconsistent, right? So Very he, inconsistent. he'll give up like four runs or he'll give up no runs. Yeah, give there isn't one a run, middle He'll ground. give up eight runs. Yeah, exactly. He is kind of all over the place. But during his last few starts, he was going seven innings and giving up no runs, one run, three runs. You know, he was really starting to stretch things out a little. Uh, on July 7th, he went eight against San Jose, who, of course, are pretty bad, and just gave up one earned run. Um, it's really starting to throw strikes and I think kind of putting things together a little bit. So he's, uh, Jerry, De Jerry called them a high risk arm, which I guess makes sense. Like there's risk reward yes. and then maybe he figures out his issues um, maybe he figures out how to be more consistent maybe he doesn't um so it, it it's not like we gave them nothing though no uh, it's and then not, Lucas, it isn't a oh. deal where we gave them three here are three random guys you're gonna cut by the end of the year there yeah. are three prospect arms um just adding on a little bit a little bit about lopez gives up a lot of hits now one thing to note he's in the california league which is notably hitter friendly um but the thing of it, he just doesn't do anything great he doesn't have a dominating fastball. He doesn't really have a dominating breaking ball. He's just kind of, again, okay. And is he going to amount to a big leaguer? Maybe. Is he really going to amount to a big leaguer? Probably not. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's, I, he's depth. It's he's hard depth. to say. He's depth. So, I would agree with that. But he does maybe have a ceiling. Um, the guy who I think has more of a ceiling is Lucas Chiraldi, who is a reliever who had a brutal 2016. He yes, just, just sucked. That. He was bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, he would say that too, I think. And then oh, he yeah. rebounded in 2017. Um, uh, our friend Bobby DeMuro over at Baseball Census did a profile on him. He's doing all of the members of the Modesto Nuts bullpen, which has just been aces this year. Yes. Um, 2017, he... 1-0 with two saves, a 4.22 ERA. Uh, in 32 innings pitched, he had 55 strikeouts. So he struck out the world. Um, but he also had 23 walks. So just too many walks. Um, but he Erratic, really has... Erratic, a good word to describe both of those guys. Yeah. But, I mean, 94 with the... And a, he overhauled his breaking ball and was able to throw it as a strikeout pitch. I think Chiraldi might have, if they can continue developing him, I think Chiraldi has the quickest route to maybe contributing at the major league level out of mm -hmm. all of them. Um, you know, it just, it's, he is a risk though. So yes. it was, it was a bunch of risk that they gave up. Uh, it was, so when people say oh, it was Brian Hernandez and, and a bunch of nothing or a bunch of guys that's, who suck, that's, like, that's not exactly the, the case. It's and a lot it of high-risk arms that are, yes. in most cases, pretty far off. It wasn't Brian Hernandez, Brand Miller, and two horrible pitchers. It was Brian Hernandez, a, you know, a 
good control command pitcher and two very inconsistent arms. That I mean, that is what yeah. the deal was. There, there is risk for the Mariners, but I think what Jerry decided and decided probably well is that their risk wasn't that these guys were going to become superstars. It was something that they needed to take to add to the bullpen, which is yes, looked good lately, but always good to have a veteran depth arm and right. David Phelps. So let's talk about David Phelps a little bit and what they get out of David Phelps. Um, because he, when I first looked him up, I was unimpressed, underwhelmed, like, you know, he's got the ERA around, what, three something, FIP 3.69, like, nah, he's good, he's fine. Um, But what really stands out is, although he he has a pretty nice K-9, although for a reliever you like to see maybe double digits, I'm greedy like that. Um, but you do not like to see a 4.02 walk rate. That is not great. No, um, so he does I was sort of, walk a lot. I was very concerned about this. Um, I have since become less concerned by the more I read about him and kind of what he's done lately. What is your take on David Phelps? David Phelps, he's interesting. Uh, if you look at the numbers, he had a horrible April and a horrible June. His May, he didn't allow a run. His July, he's been pretty much lights out. It's it's hard to exactly describe him. The way I would say David Phelps is he's just, like, fine. Like, he's decent. He's not he's not Craig Kimbrell. I mean, I think there's not many like him. He's not going to be 2015 Fernando Rodney where he's just a nightmare. He's just going to kind of be a reliable arm. Is he going to probably get beat a couple times, yeah, he's not going to be perfect, but he's going to probably be able to come in. He's a veteran arm who's going to be able to come in and make some key appearances and shut down opposing hitters. And there was an interesting stat earlier that in six and a third of his innings uh, over five games, he had 14 earned runs allowed. In the other four games, or the other four uh, runs, excuse me, have come in 39 games over 40 and two-thirds inning pitch. So it's looking at that, he's a guy who has had a couple of outings where he's gotten shelled. But besides that, has been pretty consistent. I think the biggest concern, as we were saying, is the walks. I mean, he walks a lot of hitters, and yeah. that and when is the walks what are you up, want out of a bullpen. bullpen the walks are high in those bad months that he yes. had. So his success is directly tied to his ability to not walk batters. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ideally, like, I trust Mel Stottlemyre as a pitching coach. I think he's I too. good at getting a lot, getting the best out of guys. I'm not sure with someone like Phelps, who has been around for a while, uh, what that's going to... Mean, he's only, what, 30? He's 30, so... He's 30. He's still, not 35, 36, so there's still right. room to improve and develop. Still relatively young, although, you know, has been in baseball since 2008, so definitely... Yeah. Has... One other thing to note about him is he's added a little bit of velocity since becoming a reliever because he did a lot of starting uh, with the Yankees, and he started a little bit last year, but ever since he's been a reliever, he's been able to up his velocity a little bit, probably from not having to throw as many pitches. That's true. He has added uh, three ticks, I think. I think, yes, three ticks is correct. So he's up in the mid-90s now, which, yeah. is, which is good. Um, I know that we, as Mariners fans, though, are, of course, really interested in the fact that he used to start. Yes. Um, and was not horrible at it. No. I mean, again, wasn't a stud. Wasn't awful. Just kind of... Wasn't... 
you know, his strikeout numbers obviously fall down to like uh, sixes and sevens, mm-hmm. which is fine. But actually, weirdly, the walk rate was lower when he was starting. He was walking which less batters. Odd. Which is, yeah, you would not imagine that those things would go hand in hand. So maybe it's like a mentality thing. I know that he was told he would have the ability to start and like what reliever doesn't want a chance to be a starter again. I mean, yeah. I, some of them, I think, are really happy being in the bullpen. But, you know, you remember yes. Carnes. Carnes was Carnes wasn't really happy. grumpy. Uh, Mike Montgomery wasn't happy about being a reliever. No. Uh, you know, some of those guys where they've conceived of themselves as that and they've started their careers as that, if you don't transition them early, they get grumpy about yep. making that switch. So that's got to be something that's kind of appealing to him or motivating to him. And clearly it's something we could use. And, you know, if he's not any worse as a starter than he was as a reliever, then that's, this is, if, if we potentially picked up a starter, then I like this deal. This deal goes from being good to me to being great. Yes. So. And I think, I think that um, just knowing what, how Jerry's made his moves, he likes his versatility. I mean, that's, the ability that he can start and, you know, and it has proven he can start well that if you need him to make a start because of all of the injuries this year, instead of having to call up someone for a spot start like Waylon, like Casey Lawrence, you can say, hey, Phelps, you've been started. You're making a spot start today. It's a lot easier than having to go to a guy who isn't probably a big league pitcher at this point. Or isn't with the team. Um, yes. Too. Like exactly. This. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like the, I like the idea of having that versatility. I like the idea of him being a multi-inning reliever, especially if we see, um, uh, you know, I think Posey is a ways away yet. Yeah. And I really would prefer that he stay down with AAA and work on some mechanical stuff. Yeah. He's, um, he's not ready yet. He's got potential, but he's not ready yet. Yeah. And Pagan can give you a couple of good innings, but, uh, really that position of long reliever, which you see if Moore is going to be capped at five or six innings in order to keep him effective, yes. um, then we need somebody who can provide that length at the end without the bullpen getting taxed. And the, the right. thing is, too much of the bullpen right now, too much of that weight is resting on Vincent and Diaz. I mean, they've pitched five of the last six games, and the thing is, is no, you don't want to even use them like that, but you have to, not only because they're... They've been effective. Diaz choosing to be effective as of right now. Next week, it could be a different story. But because you need them, because you're playing so many close ball games, that you need your eighth inning guy. And Nick Vincent, as frustrating as he was last year, and it just seems that he just doesn't, at times where he just doesn't look good, has been an incredibly effective reliever. And and if Diaz does what he's been doing these last five, six games, I mean, there's he's not touchable. It's eliminating those bad outings, and all of a sudden he becomes a shutdown closer. Yeah. I Nick Vincent um, f- fixing his home run problem has been really exciting yes, this year. Yes, very, very key, because that was a huge issue last year, and what yeah. kind of brought him down over the stretch. Yeah, which is, I mean, that was a problem with overuse, really. So Yeah, it was, because he was overused last year. Yeah, so that's been great, and um, uh, Diaz, actually, I think Diaz pitching more is better for him. It just it keeps seems him like in the he's... loop. It keeps him in a rhythm. Yeah, it just seems like he's able to come out and be more consistent when he's used more. So, 
Um, I know that there's a balance there, right? Because we saw, like Vincent, him get tired towards the end of last year. And, yeah. Uh, he, the, I mean, he burned out towards the end of last year. I don't think yeah. there, there's much of an argument. He started to get tired and unfortunately ended up costing the Mariners a little bit down the stretch. But he's definitely, um, I think, kind of showing that if he sits for too long then the results can be kind of disastrous you know that i feel like the times he's done the worst are when we put him in quote unquote just to get some work yes um, yeah it just Which doesn't I, I hate that phrase it, it doesn't i don't know why I, I just if you you use your closer i think in a sense when he needs to close and I don't like the just get some work phase. I think there's always going to be a use for some guy rather than let's just get him some work. It always and, feels too like that comes right when we, when he's going to have to pitch the next day because they get yeah, themselves exactly. into that situation. No, there are times where getting guys work is good. Uh, like when they had Posey up here and they wanted to give him a couple innings when they were up big in games. That's fine if you're trying to get a guy, guy's feet wet, give him a soft landing, but just to throw in Tony Zick or Nick Vincent because you feel like it one game to get them work. Cause then the next game or two games later, you're going to need them in a tough spot and yeah. Oh, well they're lower on pitchers because they worked yesterday in a, in an 11 run game. I mean, speaking of tough spots, things have gotten kind of tough in this Mariners game right now um, where Segura just booted a ball. That was a pretty easy Oh, Pretty easy inning-ending double play ball that it should have been, and poor Pazos got lifted, and now Zick is in with two on and just one out. So Zick's been very good, but this is not who you want to see up. Sanchez and then Judge. Oh, no. Oh, yikes. So they're just going for a power-on-power? Power. I guess, and Judge has struck out looking twice. He is so due to hit one under Royal Broom. Oh, there's no such thing as due. But, and, and he's been sort of off since the all-star break, right? He has been, which Yankee yeah. fans are saying is due to the home run derby. Mm-hmm. Look at the Cody Bellinger, Charlie Blackman, Gary Sanchez numbers. It's just, believe it or not, Aaron Judge isn't superhuman. He's an incredible <laughs> baseball player, but he isn't an absolute, you know, he is mortal. He is going to have tough months. And no, uh, he is not the best player in baseball. I will not admit that yet. <laughs> uh, just kind of. Johnny come lately on that. Um, yeah. You know, I have a hard time giving that to anyone who's not named Mike Trout, so. No. And I'm not saying Judge is not an incredible player and not up in that top 10 category at this moment, but you got to remember, as amazing as he's been, it's been, what are we, three, four months into the season. Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball for the last three, four years. I mean, there, it's hard to take it away from Trout, who's having, who's been hurt all year and still has, I think, 18 home runs. Yeah. I mean, that just kind of says the player Mike Trout is. Well, and you, you know, you're really seeing um, teams be able to start adjusting to judge as they see more mm-hmm. of him too. He's not the new face. No. In baseball anymore. So as much as I feel like I'm always looking at his face. <laughs> uh, all right. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a little break here. And then when we come back, we will answer some Twitter questions and I will silently curse out this umpire in my head for, Missing a very close call on a ball that I thought was a strike. Okay, we will reconvene shortly. Okay. In all my memories, I see brothers bleed, and everybody agrees, but still nobody sees. Recollect your thoughts, don't get caught up in the mix, cause the media is full of dirty tricks. Only God can judge me. Only God can judge me. 
and we're back. All right, now's the time on the podcast where we answer your questions. So the first one comes from T. Miller, our own T. Miller, who made an amazing uh, Defense Matters video for the site set to the tune of Family Matters. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's awesome. Have you seen it, Jamie? I actually don't think I have. I'll have to check that out. Oh, I'll send it to you. Uh, so T at T Mill 24 wants to know who your two top untouchables are in the system and why. And I mean, obviously everyone is, no one is untouchable, like for the right price. If you wanted to offer me something really, really good, I would be like a starting pitching. I would, yeah, I would, I, I would mean, give up so, us... so much for Jack Flaherty, like uh, just anything <laughs> or someone of that like ill. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Uh, okay. So with the idea that like really no one is untouchable, who are like your, the people you would least like to see traded? Are we going specifically prospects or in the entire organization? Oh, um, how about we do one prospect and one from the, or one from the system. Okay. From, from the, the org, org, from the organization itself. Um, there's a few guys. I mean, I would, I hate to ever see Kyle Seeger go because he's such a fan favorite and he does his job so well. Um, I would hate to see James Paxton go because he is going to the ace. But right now, I would honestly have to say you cannot consider dealing Gene Segura because how good he is, because how young he is, because for the first time since each year you have a leadoff hitter, and for the first time since A-Rod, you have a legitimately good shortstop. So I would say my one untouchable in the organization is Gene Segura. As for... My untouchable prospect, it is Tyler O'Neill for many, many reasons, because he is very good, and I don't want to see him ever moved. <laughs> so I go Segura and O'Neill as of right now. Okay, sounds good. Um, I would maybe say, I don't really have untouchables, but I have people who I think pop up a lot in trade rumors, and um, I really wouldn't want to see moved. And I think probably I was very anti-trading Diaz over the offseason. I am still anti-trading Diaz. I think I that uh, despite his struggles, he is going to be something special. I think he's young. He needs to develop. I don't want to give him up. Uh, there are probably other better choices for this, but I don't know. As far as like I, Paxton to me is totally untouchable. Paxton is as close to untouchable as you get. Unless the, the Ashers so you, offer a prospect. Of course, good. sure. <laughs> um, but I think as far as like talking about people who we might move, he, it's him for me. And then I'm going to, I mean, maybe this is recency bias, but I just, I would really hate to see Tyler O'Neill go anywhere, especially because yeah. I just don't think he's uh, going re to return the, anything close to the value that I think he has. Well, no, because teams are going to say, oh, well, he's only hitting 240 this year. Yeah. You watched him play? Exactly. I mean, okay, maybe they have, but no, I just, I can't see a scenario. I mean, unless he is included for, I'm like a absolute bona fide stud pitcher, I cannot see a scenario where moving Tyler O'Neill is a good decision. No. Uh, all right. And I, I was encouraged by Jerry's discussion that we're, yes. this comment that we're only going to move premium prospects for a premium return. So yes. I'm just going to take it on faith that his idea of a premium return matches up with my idea of a premium return. <laughs> so not Tyler O'Neill for, you know, like uh, Jason Vargas. No. No. <laughs> okay. So the next one comes from friend of the site, Connor Donovan or Kenner Doleman on Twitter. Uh, does Phelps move into the rotation in 2018? 
Possible. I, mm. I, I don't think so. Um, just because I believe you're going to have... Uh, no, nah, you know, I'm not even going to say possible. I'm going to say, I would say highly, highly unlikely. You're going to have Felix next year. You're going to have more. You're going to have um, Paxton, Miranda, and I think they will have a fifth option. Is it a healthy Iwakuma? Maybe, probably, yeah, I don't know. Um, it could be Gallardo. It could be Sam Gav- a developed Sam Gavilio. No, I think I, Sam Gavilio is at his ceiling. I, I think he is what he is. That, so. that could be fair. If I would think Jerry would go get an arm first in free agency before he moved Phelps to the rotation. Unless they are absolutely desperate and they just can't get anyone I would say I would not see Phelps moving to the rotation next year. I, now, I could see him making a, a something like a spot start if he needed to, but I wouldn't say that Jerry's going to say after, after the season's over, David Phelps is going to be a starter next year. I feel differently. I feel like um, uh, free agency is tough. They're all older pitchers. I've looked at the list of who is available. I don't see anyone there that super fits really well. uh you know how i felt about that but i i don't i don't see that out there i don't know if we could get anything in trade obviously it's not a good time as jerry says to go to the picture store right now because it is uh this is not the time you want to be looking you look over the off season maybe someone comes available maybe there's some deal to be made maybe if that doesn't happen, and I, there's a good chance that it doesn't, then I, I do think that he has a shot to move into the rotation because they looked, they saw him, he was what they liked best that was out there that they also felt like they could get. And by that time, he'll have some time in the system. He'll be accustomed to it a little. You know, there, there's a there's a chance. A fair so. point. Uh, I mean, and it could be. I just, again, uh, my personal opinion is that he would – he would look elsewhere first, but I mean, it, I'm not, you know, the expert. It, it, he absolutely could end up being in the rotation next year. I, I, I just, you know, I just, I do, I would think maybe Jerry would look elsewhere, but again, I, I have no inside sources. That's just my own personal opinion. Yeah. Um, all right. Next comes from Aaron Hill at Clouded in Texas. And Aaron says, seems like we have a plethora of relief pitching, relief pitching talent in AAA. Any possibility of flipping that for a starter? Um, relief Ooh. pitching talent in AAA. <laughs> no, yeah. Double A, triple A. Um, um, well, we don't have a plethora of relief pitching talent in AAA. We don't have that much relief pitching talent in AAA period. I mean, there's it's mostly what AAA is right now as it pertains to reliever is a lot of veteran guys who aren't just good enough for the bigs. I mean, guys like Gene Machi, Mark Lowe, Dean Kike for a. I mean, you could maybe flip one of those for a similar no. starter. No, but nothing, you could not. Value. There's not those guys don't have value. Um, no. What you have in AAA that does have value, I think, is uh, Altavilla, who yeah. is going to start recovering his numbers. He had that mm-hmm. terrible home run fly ball rate that was just partly the, the issues. That was partly him getting into the zone too much and allowing hard contact, but a, a lot of just like bad luck too on that. All those balls flying out of the ballpark. Um, yeah. He's going to get back on track. I, I really believe. I, I would agree. And he's he struggled this year, and and I'll be the first to say I have 
given out to a lot of a lot of uh, unfriendly criticism, but mm. I I do believe that he's he's a talented arm. He's put up good numbers. He, he's yeah. just got to make sure he again doesn't leave pitches over the zone and get the home run rates down, and he'll be fine. He was rushed and he was successful initially, and I think people see this as a step back. But yeah, I mean, for a guy who came out of a double A uh, Division two school never made it past double a before being promoted to the majors uh you know got by a lot on the power stuff then messed around with his slider grip and i think is is trying to make adjustments and it's just you know he's young and it takes time he is young uh, he is and he's he's there's a lot of talent in that arm that just i think needs time to develop so seasoning to help he's only 24 he's not again 28 and i'm sure working with lance painter who's a great pitching coach has helped Working yeah. with Stoudemire will help. He'll 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 be fine. He'll he'll be back in the bigs next year. And, and he'll be but as far as like his trade value, it's pretty low right now. Yeah. I so. mean, if you were desperate to move him, you could maybe get like a seventh, eighth starter. But at that point, it's not worth it. No, I uh, you could get something out of Vieira too, probably if he can just calm the walk the rate down. Just pure velocity, exactly. Um, but I've seen Vieira get hit hard in spring training, and mm-hmm. it was. Real rough. And I mean, it hasn't exactly been smooth going up through double A. Like, it's going to help him. I think he's learned what he has to learn out of Ethan Katz, the pitching coach down there in double A, who's excellent. I'm really excited to see what he does with some time with Lance Painter um, and excited to go there and talk to Lance Painter about Vieira, actually. Because that'll be a really cool conversation to have. I mean, just talk to Andrew Moore. Andrew Moore speaks the world of Painter and how he's helped them. And and I think for any good for any young pitcher, Painter's a good guy to have, kind of help you develop. For sure. Um, and then I guess Cody Martin is there, but he's also somebody who doesn't really have a lot of trade value, probably. No, and I like Cody Martin, but brave little toaster. Yeah, brave little toaster. Yes. Sounds like a call was just blown in the Mariner game. Uh, what a call was blown? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, yikes. Um, it sounds like. Valencia slid in the second, and they uh, it was ruled the transfer rule, but it wasn't really on the transfer. So now there's two outs in first and third for Dyson. Oh no! Because oh. you know MLB umpires aren't good. They are not. Um, okay. <laughs> so on to the next question. Uh, Kenneth Gregory at Ken Twelve Gregory wants to know. Our bullpen doesn't seem as bad as a couple of the NL contenders. Could Jerry be stacking up relief for a trade with the New York Mets or the Nats? The Mets aren't contenders, are they? Mets? No, Mets are horrible. No, Mets, are, <laughs> Mets are out of it. Uh, maybe I no. mistyped that question. But the Nats, uh, and the Nats have fortified their bullpen, right, with the Oakland trade. Yeah, and the Nats, think about who who are you going to really get from them. I mean, uh, there, there's there's no one that they're not going to give up any of their core, obviously. As for prospects, I don't think the Mariners have a reliever besides Diaz, who they're not trading. That would get them Rafael Batista, so I don't think the Nats are that much of an option, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of those trades uh, have gone down already as far as uh, the Nats. I agree. And, uh, the Cubs have done a lot to shore up their rotation They're, they might be looking for some bullpen help but mm-hmm. i think that they're yeah i don't i don't know that i really see that happening and especially if they want to keep this core together a little bit Which, yeah 
I mean, we could trade him Nick Vincent for Bryce Harper. I mean, I, I don't. They may have to add Rendon, but and then yeah, for sure, as, for sure. As for the Mets, I mean, they're I mean, they're they're way out of it. On the flip side of that, though, is I when I heard there was a relief arm being mentioned, I thought Addison Reed immediately because he's having a good year. But mm-hmm. um, so if anything, I think it'd be the 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 reverse where. We'd look to them for a bullpen arm. Obviously, not going to do that now with Phelps. But yeah, the Mets are seven back, uh, thirteen and a half back in the Nationals, and probably even further back of the wild card. Maybe you will not. be shocked uh, to know that Dylan Betances <clears throat> versus Gerard Dyson did not work out well. No way. <laughs> uh, all right. Final question from Matthew Rotter at Matthew underscore Rotter wants to know. Sources say the Mariners are looking to trade their Capri Sun and fun size Snickers for a slice of cold pepperoni pizza. Thoughts? We're getting absolutely hosed if we're giving up, if we're giving up the. Uh, yeah, no, that's a terrible deal for the Mariners. I'll give me the Capri Sun and the Snickers over the cold pizza. Warm pizza. Warm pizza. Yes. Warm. Uh, warm pizza. Yes. But cold. No. If there's a microwave included to heat it up, then we're talking. But I, I don't think they can make that trade at this time. No, no. It also depends too. Like right now, it's been very hot lately, and a Capri Sun yeah, sounds, Capri Sun sounds nice. very refreshing. In fact, I think I want a Capri Sun right now. All right. I haven't eaten dinner yet, so the pizza sounds good. But all right. Well, I will let you go then, so we can go uh, <laughs> go indulge our respective food cravings. Uh, thank you very much to everybody. Thank you very much to everybody who sent in questions. Thank you, Jamie, for coming on and joining us and enlightening thank you for us on some me. of these Great trends. Honor. Uh, Jamie, do you want to tell people where they can find you on Twitter? Um, where they can find your is, writing? Yes, uh, I tweet all of my articles. It's at JamieVinnick9. That's J-A-M-E-Y-B-I-N-N-I-C-K. And then the number nine. Uh, everything that we post goes to Hardball Scoop. We're in the middle of switching a little bit of a format, so stick with us now for a little bit. It's going to a different bit of a template. But, uh, yeah, no, I do... Um, as I was saying earlier, a lot of exclusives. I hopefully will have something involving Tiago Vieira coming up this weekend, and then a lot of stuff for the trade deadline. So looking forward to the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be fun. Always always fun to follow the Mariners, even when they haven't scored three innings. <sighs> All right. All right. Well, thank you very much for sticking with us, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. I think progresses I call and you come through Blow all my friendships To sit in hell with you But we're the greatest They'll hang us in the loof Down the back, but who cares Still the loof Okay, I know that you are not my type Still I fall I'm just the sucker that you fill her mind But what about love? Nothing wrong with it Supernatural Make them all dance to it.